Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, so we are returning this morning to a message series on the Gospel of John. Now, if you're new to our church or newer to our church, if you joined up with us in the last year or two, you don't know why we're returning to the Gospel of John because you weren't here for the start of it. So here's a little backstory on, on this sermon series. Um, about yeah, two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, uh, I kind of thought it would be cool to preach verse by verse through the Gospel of John. And we tore into that task and spent a long time. We, in fact, did 29 weeks in John's Gospel a few years ago. And then what happened was we put the series on pause for a very specific reason. We put the series on pause because I got bored. I can't preach on anything for 29 weeks in a row. I just needed a break. So we put the series on pause and moved on. Uh, actually, Pastor Bobby was the last one to preach on this series in week 29, like two and a half years ago. We put it on pause, preached on a couple other things, and then COVID came and everything changed and things got weird. And we kind of just let it go off to the side. And what I realized recently was the six weeks between now and Easter Sunday line up perfectly with where we left off in the Gospel of John. So what we're going to do is, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be diving into John's Gospel, and there's music playing. It's lovely, but if you could turn it off, that'd be great. Okay, um, we're going we're, we're to be diving into John's Gospel for the next six weeks, and that's going to take us right through Easter Sunday. Um, so before I just dive in, let me give you guys a little bit of context. Let me hit you with a little bit of Backstory so that we're all on the same page. When you pick up a Bible, when you hold the Bible, you don't hold a book so much as you hold a library of books. There are 66 distinct literary works in that book that we refer to as the Bible. Four of those distinct literary works are biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. These are called the Gospels. Uh, the, the word gospel simply means good news. And so they were not named very creatively. It's the good news according to Matthew, the good news according to Mark, the good news according to Luke, and the good news according to John. These are your four Gospels, the four biographical accounts. So if these four books were published on their own, if they were made into standalone uh, works of literature, and you were trying to find one of them in a bookstore, you would be looking in the biography section. And if you took John's gospel and began to read it, you would be reading a biographical account, not just of somebody who studied Jesus later, you're reading a biographical account of somebody who was in fact an eyewitness. So John, when he puts the pen to the paper, what he's saying is, I was there, when that blind guy received his sight, like I saw that happen. I was in the room when they cut the hole through the ceiling and lowered the paralyzed guy down in front of Jesus. I mean, I was right there. I saw with my own eyes Lazarus walk out of the tomb still stiff and covered with his grave clothes. Like, I saw these things, and now I'm writing them down, not just for posterity, but for a very specific reason. 
And John, in his biographical account, does something that no other gospel author does. John actually breaks the fourth wall. Do you know what a fourth wall break is? That's when uh, a, a character in a TV show or a movie looks directly at the camera. You know, and, and like Ferris Bueller. Anybody remember Ferris? I'm getting old. It's a sad story. Ferris Bueller, hey, life is short. If you don't stop from smell the flowers once in a while, you could miss it. You know, that kind of thing. He's looking at the camera. John actually does that. He doesn't do Ferris, but he does that. He, 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 he narrates the entire book, and at the end of the book, he breaks the fourth wall, addresses his reader directly, and says, these things are written. I wrote this down. I took the time to record these things so that you may believe. And that you may continue to believe that he is Mashiach, Messiah, the living son of God. I wrote this down so that you'd know he really was the Messiah, God incarnate. Now where we, where we pick up in the narrative is this, we're in the upper room. They had the Last Supper already. Judas has already left the room. We're embedded in, a, in a, a, a portion of Scripture that theologians refer to as the Upper Room Discourse. It's a long series of teachings that Jesus gives to his, his followers to prepare them for what's to come. And there's just no way to prepare them for what's to come. They don't, they don't have a frame of reference for, for where things are headed. So what we're going to do now is we're going to dive in. We're going we're gonna to begin right where Pastor Bobby left off. This is the Gospel of of John chapter 14 beginning at verse 15 if you love me obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Check that last sentence one more time. You know him because he lives with you, now with you, later in you. Now he's with you, later he will be in you, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he turns to his disciples. This is a tender moment. This is an intimate moment. They're gathered around the, the, the table, and, and he says to these guys, fellas, do you love me? And you can, you can almost hear them like, well, yeah. And he says, if you love me, obey my commandments, keep my commandments. Turn from your sins. Turn from these things that separate me from you. Turn from these things that, that, that make you miserable anyway. Turn from this inward-bound, focused, inward life. Turn from that. Live the life I've called you to. Receive forgiveness. And I will ask the Father, and he will send another advocate, it says. Another translation says, I'll send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus is trying to help them understand. They, they had no frame of reference for the Holy Spirit or what that was or what that meant. So Jesus is trying to help them understand what's to come. And this is very, very difficult because the, the, the disciples have just started to believe that he's the Messiah. I mean, they've just started to get their heads around it. And understand this, for a first century Jewish believer, the idea of Messiah came with military connotations. The Messiah wasn't just some long ago spoken thing from the, from the prophets from antiquity. The Messiah was going to restore Israel to its rightful place at the top of the food chain among nations on earth. The children of Israel do not enjoy most favored nation status in Rome. Okay? They're under Roman oppression. They're under a, a, the, the, the burden of a Roman yoke. And they are waiting. Messiah is going to come and snap that yoke. Messiah is going to come and restore Israel to its true place. And then everyone will know that we are God's chosen people. Messiah is going to kick some butt. Messiah is going to crack open a can. You feel me? Like Messiah is going to get ready. Messiah is going to set things right. So now... There's momentum building, and, and Jesus is, is, is uh, performing these miraculous signs. All these miracles are happening, and thousands of people are, are, are coming around to see him, and, and, and there, are, there are talks of political aspirations, and this train is picking up steam, and they're all getting really excited, and they're wondering, hey, could I sit on your right and your left? And could, like, there, there's, a, there's a momentum to this thing. And now he starts talking about dying. So this was profoundly confusing to these guys. I mean, they just don't get this at all. What do you mean you're going to send another comforter? Okay, yeah, yeah. Jesus is like, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going, to, is going to show up. Now, I might have begun this sermon by saying, when we open the scriptures, we believe we're holding God's revelation to us. We believe that God reveals himself to us in two primary ways. One, in nature. We believe that God reveals himself to us in nature. You've seen that in your own life, haven't you? Please tell me you've seen that in your own life. Yeah, oh, thank you. I'm just checking. Okay, it's really quiet. Um, You've seen that in your life. The second place where we believe God reveals himself to us is in the scriptures. And as we read the gospel accounts, what we find is that God reveals himself to us in three distinct persons. God reveals himself to us, shows himself to us in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Three parts of what one of the basic tenets of our faith the doctrine of the Trinity. We don't fully understand it. We don't quite get all the dynamics of how it worked within the Trinity. Uh, but, but we know that God is revealing himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit of God up to this point to the children of Israel is an external thing. Remember what he said? The Spirit of God is with you now, but later will be in you. 
The Spirit of God is with you now because to the children of Israel, the Spirit of God was something that they had to go find. You, you would encounter the Spirit of God at the temple. You would go to the synagogue. There were times when the Spirit of God would accompany the children of Israel for a chapter of a journey or for a time. There are times when the Spirit of God would appear in a miraculous sign. But in no way did anyone at all perceive that God's Spirit was something that lived in their heart. So Jesus is talking to these guys, and he's like, look, 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 when I leave, someone else is coming, and it's going to operate differently. Next verse, very next verse. This is, this, is, this is good. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Here, he's using I interchangeably with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to abandon you. I will come to you. He's sending the Holy Spirit, but he uses the word I. This is really interesting. It's God revealing himself to us in three persons. Soon, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Could we cut the disciples a little slack for being confused by all that? I was confused by all that. I love, you know, I and the Father, I'm in the Father, and you're in the Father, and so we're all in the Father, and God loves me, and I love you, and He loves you, and we love Him, and so we're all loving this together, and we're all kind of one thing, and then if you obey me, God's gonna forgive you. It's just, it's what on earth? There's like some circular. I, 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 I'm a pastor. I had to read that paragraph like six times to make sense of it. This is not easy. And so these guys in the first century, they're hearing this for the first time. And so Jesus, and then just embedded within the sentence, Jesus says this, when I am raised to life again. He just dropped out like it was nothing. Did you catch that? That was just embedded in a sentence. Oh yeah, and by the way, when I'm raised to life again, and so the disciples, you could just hear the room, they're all like, there's a collective, I, 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 what? <laughs> what are you talking? Thank you, I worked on that, thank you. Um, <laughs> there, there was a collective, what are you talking about moment. Like, what do you mean when you're raised to life again? He's predicting his own death. But they don't understand, and you have to forgive them for not understanding because in their mind, Messiah was going to set things right Messiah was going to kick some butt. Messiah was, was the long-awaited resolution of Israel's long years of suffering. So all this talk of Jesus dying, I mean, and then he says, no, I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. I'm going, but I'm coming. I'm leaving, but I'm arriving. Okay, what is he talking about? What does he mean? How does it work? He continues. And remember, my words are not my own. 
What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is going to take up residence. So here's, here's what Jesus is saying. Look, I know you guys are bummed. I know you're bummed. I know this is sad. You're going to get it. This is all going to make sense to you later. But here's the simple fact of it. You're sad at the idea of my leaving you because you have a personal stake in this. The, the idea that Jesus was going to die, I mean... This was jarring, not just for theological reasons, but for practical reasons. These guys left everything to follow Jesus. They left their families behind. They left their fishing boats behind. They left their tax collection booths behind. All their careers, all their stuff, all the, the, the world that they inhabited was left behind so that they could follow Jesus. There is a very real, it's not spoken, but it's in the room, believe me. There's a very real, what happens to us if you go? What are we supposed to do if you die? What happens to this thing? You can't die. You can't leave. And by you can't leave, it's almost you can't leave us. Don't, don't leave us. Right? Can you feel that in the room? Can you feel that in the text? So Jesus breaks it down in terms of simple dynamics. Look, I know you're upset. But it's better if I go. Here's why. I can, the way it is now, I can only hang with like 12 of you. The laws of group dynamics simply state, there's only 12 of you that I'm going to be able to get really close to. And even within the 12, there's a group within the group that kind of makes the others jealous. Human dynamics mean I can only be with you guys. And you guys are bummed because you're not getting to me. And you're not getting enough of me. And you can't hang with me enough. And guess what? There's thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of other people who want more of me and are trying to get to me and can't get to me. While I'm here, I can only be physically present with any of you. But when I go, when I go, you can almost hear Jesus like, when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Oh, you're going to love the Holy Spirit. You can almost hear Jesus like cooking it up. Like, oh, you are going to love the Holy Spirit. Because the advocate, the comforter will come and he will take up residence in all of you. And God will live within you. And your heart will become the temple and your heart will become the synagogue, and you will commune with God right here when the Holy Spirit comes. Yeah, it's better. It's better if I go. I know you don't get it. I know it hurts. I know you're all jacked up. It's better. And then he says this. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. 
If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I'm telling you these things now before they happen. You're not going to get it. This is Jesus laying track. He's laying track for, for a, a, a revelation that will come later. He's preparing them. I'm telling you this stuff now. You're not going to get it now. But later, when all this stuff comes true, you're going to go, oh, snap. He said all that stuff. Do you remember? Oh, that's what he meant. Like, that revelation is coming later. They don't get it now. They're going to get it later. This is, and he says to them, isn't this beautiful? I leave you a gift. I'm leaving you a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. I leave you. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in. When the Spirit of God takes up resonance. When he's no longer just with you, but when he's in you. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And not like the world gives. This, this, this peace of mind, peace of mind and peace of heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. There's no, there's no setup on this planet that can give you this kind of peace of mind. There's no, there's no uh, job situation. There's no marital situation. There's no sum of money. There's no health thing. There's, no, there's just no set of circumstances that this world can concoct that the very best stuff this world could put together and offer you cannot deliver this. This you can only get through the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. This peace of mind, this peace of heart is a gift I give to you. Church, how are we doing with that today? Are you experiencing peace of mind? Are you experiencing peace of heart today? Some of us are not. Some of us are embedded in very difficult situations. Some of us are embroiled in things that, that, that have their hooks into us and we're losing sleep and it's very, very difficult to find any kind of peace at all. Are you prepared to receive this the way the disciples received it? To hear in simple terms, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, Turn from your sins. Receive my forgiveness and start living your life outward bound. Turn from your sin. Turn from that which makes you miserable anyway. And the Holy Spirit will come and take up residence. Are you ready for that? Are you able today to say to whatever situation is keeping you up at night, today, I'm going to do what I can do and trust God to do what I can. I will do what I can do and then I will trust God to do what I can't. Because therein we find peace of mind and peace of heart. We turn from our sins, live for Him and trust Him to do what we can't. 
Some of us, I mean, this was not in my notes. This is not prepped. But I did this in the earlier service, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move into this again. We're going we're gonna to pray a prayer. I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer with me, if you want. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but if you've never invited the Holy Spirit into your life, if you're here today and you're just like, man, I could use that. I could use some peace of mind. I could use some peace of heart. I've got stuff going on in my life that's, that's got me all twisted up. If that's you today and you want to invite God into your life and you want to do some business with Jesus and invite him in and have the Holy Spirit come and take up residence, I'm just going to invite you to pray a simple prayer. You don't have to, but if you want to, it's very simple. You just repeat after me and do it quietly. You don't have to say it out loud. Just do it alone, you know, in your mind between you and God. Repeat after me if you want to. Dear God, no, quietly. <laughs> Appreciate the enthusiasm, but alone, in your, alone with your thoughts. It's good. Heavenly Father, I invite you into my life. Today, I turn from my sins. Today, I want you in my heart. This world has robbed me of my peace. And there's no peace of mind and there's no peace of heart. But I think maybe I could find those things in you. And so I invite you in. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Make me new and live inside of me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He concludes this particular time with his disciples like this. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. So, here's the deal, you, you, you 11. What's about to happen next, it's going to feel like things are coming off the rails. It is about to feel like everything is coming off the rails. Your life is about to go sideways. Have you ever felt like your life was coming off the rails? It's about to feel like things are coming off the rails, but I'm telling you now, what's happening next is happening on my terms. I'm still sovereign. I'm still God. I still got this. And with God in your heart, you and God, you got this. Whatever's coming, he's got you and you've got this. And this is where Jesus leaves us for today. We'll pick it up right from here next Sunday. And with that, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for John, the eyewitness, who wrote these things down that we might believe and that we might continue to believe. Father, maybe there are some here today who started believing today. And maybe there are some here who are continuing to believe because of what he wrote so long ago. We're so glad to have this text. Father, we, 
our own decisions and the circumstances around us rob us of peace of mind and peace of heart and we're together inviting you in we all want your spirit to come live inside of us correct us where we need correcting help us turn from our sins where we need to turn from our sins and to live our lives for you that we might be not just a temple for the holy spirit but a living breathing reflection of him throughout this world we pray together in jesus name amen Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word truenorth to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.